I am going to be uh, brief for a couple of reasons. Uh, and the main is that I just uh, I want to see Daryl again. I just love it. Uh, I'm bringing a message. Ken asked me when I was telling him about the, the message of Reborn to be Wild. He, um, yeah, I was surprised. The other thing about Daryl is uh, I got a picture of Daryl Darryl and me in a book, and uh, I even put it in the little, uh, you know, in the little thing underneath there that uh, uh, Daryl still looks cool, and uh, I just got old. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I, I have this uh, message I'm going to bring to you from the book. Uh, I don't even know if it's in the book, but it's on my heart about the Jesus movement, uh, the last great revival in American history, and that's how Daryl and I and a lot of guys like us and a lot of people like us came to Christ. And um, we, uh, we came off the streets, and uh, Jesus rescued us. And if you know anything about the 60s, I mean, yeah, he, he rescued us. And uh, we became very radical uh, followers of Christ. And then something happened, and the, the, the passage I'm going to uh, talk from, just a, the introduction of the book of 1 Peter, something happened to us uh, that I believe is um, what happens to every radically sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. Now, I believe eternal life is free. I believe that Jesus paid the price for our sin, and I was rescued from my sin um, uh, when I trusted in him to be my savior. But I also believe that, uh, that discipleship or, or following Christ, to be a follower of Christ, is very, very costly. And this morning I want to talk about what is probably, has been for me, uh, one of the most uh, hurtful dynamics in that. And I want to speak my heart to Antioch and I want to speak it in support of the leaders of this church uh, here's what happens uh, when Peter wrote 1 Peter he was in Rome and the apostle Paul had just been martyred he had just been killed and on the, on the frontiers of faith up in what we call Asia Minor there were these churches up there that Paul had just started I mean, they were, they were very, they were fledgling little churches. Nero was in charge, and uh, he was killing Christians everywhere. And Paul, they knew of Paul, but now Paul was dead. So these little churches, they, need, they were going through very, very diff difficult times. Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter to these little churches up there to encourage them. Peter has a lot to say about suffering, and he's, encouraged the, he's encouraging them and he's telling them how to be authentic Christians, how to follow Christ passionately in this hurtful and messed up world. And in the first two verses, one of the things in uh, the way they wrote books in the New Testament is that in the, in the introduction, they would have the themes. They were, uh, they were geniuses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So they would have all the themes of a New Testament book. That was the form of writing back then. All the themes would be in the, in the introduction. Someone has said that, uh, you know, like all the colors in a raindrop, the themes of a book uh, of the Bible, of the, of the epistles, is in the first two verses. And he's writing these, uh, these people and he's talking to them. And 
he's speaking to them, and this is what I get out of those first two verses. Here's what they're, they're experiencing, and here's what you will experience. The more and more in step you are with Jesus Christ, the more you listen to what he says about life, the more you respond to the truth that comes from Jesus, the more you devote your life to him and the more you follow the radical Christ, the more in step you are with Christ, the more out of step you are with everybody else. That was what we experienced. We came off the street and, uh, and it, was, it was hurtful. Uh, but part of that I expected. I expected to be out of step with, you know, my buddies. We had this group in South High School where I went to, called the Drinking Buddies. One of them's here today. We got saved kind of together, uh, rescued. And, uh, and we began to really have to, they would talk about us and make jokes about us, and they would call us Jesus freaks. I remember being a really new Christian at UC Santa Barbara in the philosophy class. And uh, UC Santa Barbara was pretty radical back then. And, and, and the philosophy teacher, who, who, who I really liked, and, and he really liked me, and I was, uh, he was responding to the papers that I was writing, and, and he was telling me, man, you know, this is really good. And so we were at a, a time in class, and he wrote on the board, I know my Redeemer liveth. And I thought, oh, crud, here we go. And he turned around and he said, anybody agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I do. And there was one other guy in the class, we both raised our hand. And, and uh, he looked at me because, you know, he, he, I had a brain. I don't think he was used to Christians with brains. And he, uh, he goes, you, Ed? And I said, yeah. Well, how much do you believe that? And I remember saying, with all my heart explains my life. And immediately from there, Jesus freaks. Oh, and I looked over at this dude that I didn't even know him, didn't know him from anything. And, uh, and we, that one-way sign that Daryl said, that was, that was our identification thing. And he looked at me and he goes, uh, yeah, one way, man. <laughs> well, I was expecting that. What I wasn't expecting was, uh, and the most hurtful part of it was when I went to church. I mean, you got to realize, church in the 60s, you think of the 60s, church wasn't like that. Church was still church in the 40s. And so, you know, you think about Daryl and, and uh, guys like me coming to these buttoned-down, loafered-up places, and, and uh, man, it, it, was just, it was just so hurtful. It was so hurtful. I, I even think I would have to say in my life it's been the most hurtful part of my walk with Christ. It's how the institutional church just doesn't get the untamed Jesus. And if you follow him, it's all about shame and blame. And I can remember just one thing I wrote about in the book that I was going, we were, we were taking the gospel to juvenile hall. Uh, we knew, like I knew enough of the Bible to stay a block ahead of the hounds. And I knew John, if you knew John 3.16, man, you, there you go, there's our new leader. Uh, and, uh, 
And we went to this some church there in my hometown, and we were talking about uh, Jesus, and, and I hadn't been to church that much, and, and uh, there, nobody responded. And I remember thinking, oh, what's wrong with these people? So, you know, as new Christians, I, we even started lying a little bit and embellishing it. And, and my young life leader caught my eye, and he says, no, we don't. I'm okay, fine, I'll do that. And, <laughs> and then we went to this place called Fellowship Hall. I remember thinking, they got a whole hall for it. That's cool. And I went, and I still remember I had a piece of black, uh, blueberry pie, and I was eating, and this lady came up, church lady. And she wasn't on Saturday Night Live, but she sure could have been. And um, she said, now, now, where do you go to church, young man? And I was like, I go out, but this was church out in the country. In fact, just yesterday, I buried my Jesus Movement pastor, a guy named Ted Stone. And Ted was one of the few. He embraced us. He mentored us. I said, I'll go out to Fruitvale Church out in the country. Ah, one of those, huh? And I said, well, I mean, I'm thinking, trying to figure this out, you know. And I, I said, well, my pastor's name's Ted, and he disciples me, and I meet with group. I'm try, just trying to think of all the holy stuff I could think of. <laughs> and she said, well, I don't understand why all you Jesus freaks go out there. None of them come here. And I wanted to go, I think I got it, why they don't come. <laughs> Not only have I had to walk out of step with this pagan culture, I got to walk out of step with the church, and it took me a long time to figure that out. The last time, I still remember, uh, you, know, you got to take this by faith, but I was in a scholarly group of, of uh, Greek scholars, and we were uh, publishing things on the New Testament, showing... Uh, arguing that grace is the unifying factor of the message of the New Testament. So it was a grace group, I thought. And uh, after the, uh, we had a meeting one day, and it was all day long, it was in, in Chicago or Dallas or something like that. I got this buddy by, named Kevin Butcher, and he and I are both, you know, he's a lot like me, except maybe even more so. So the two of us together, and so we relaxed. It was a grace group. And that night, we went out to dinner, and we, I was just being me, and I was having a good time with my friends. And, and I flew back west, and about three days later, I get this telephone call from one of my heroes, uh, a Greek professor that I had studied under, and, and he said, oh, I'll never, I'll never forget this moment. Um, he said, uh, 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 Ed, um, some of the men on the board, it was a you know, a Christian group, uh, were uh, thinking that you and Kevin were a little over the top. <laughs> he, he just feel ashamed. I'm, I'm, being, I'm just being me. And that was, I, Kevin, I, I said, Kevin, me and Kevin, what did we do? I'm, you know, I'm calibrating. I don't think I cussed, or if I did, it wasn't in a bad stuff. Um, I'll never forget this guy, you know, he's, uh, he just had no, he said, oh, well, some of the men were upset you used that word. What is it? Uh, suck. <laughs> and it, ju it just did me in. And I remember just, I, I was weeping at my desk. And I said, God, 
I will never fit. I mean, I, I don't fit anywhere. This is what I believe Peter was helping these young Christians when he wrote these words, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the, di- of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace be multiplied. And a more literal translation would be, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Um, and, and here's the core of my message. If you feel like you don't fit in um, evangel culture, from my perspective as a New Testament uh, student and experience, that's a, that's a really good thing. That's a, that is a really good thing. Because the truth is, the more in step you are with Jesus, the more out of step you are with the two worlds we're caught between. A few encouraging things that I get out of these passages. Um, Elect according to the foreknowledge. He calls us pilgrims. Uh, the word pilgrim, some translations are aliens. It's an interesting word. Uh, the word alien means people who are living in a place that is not home and they're offered citizenship and they turn it down because they know they don't belong there. And, and I think it's a good thing if, you, uh, if, if we say, uh, you know, I, I really belong uh, to, an, uh, to another king. And he, uh, and, and, and I am an alien in this world. It's interesting, though, that we are a different type of alien. We are not the, a- the type of alien that, uh, that needs something. We are the type of alien it's supposed to be, type of alien that gives something. We're supposed to be giving the love and the message of Jesus to these places where we uh, find ourselves uh, very lonely. I think it's the most uh, lonely, and, and it's the deepest longing of our of our Christian heart is to want a place to belong and we typically do not find it. So it's elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Uh, and so I don't even know if this is where you are. I, I'm just giving you my message that I get out of these verses and that help me. And, um, and, and, and so my attitude now is, and it really did take cancer for me to do this. I spent so much of my life trying, knowing um, so much of my life feeling guilty because I really felt more comfortable with pagans than I did with church people. And then after cancer, and I began understanding that that's exactly the way it was with the followers of Christ in the New Testament. Uh, the people who were rejecting God's mercy and grace from the pagan world they attacked the followers of Christ. And it was the religious people who attacked from the other side. We are caught between two worlds. We don't fit because we don't. We don't fit because we don't. A few things. 
elect according to the foreknowledge. What do we do with that? First thing I would say is just admit it. That was freeing for me. Um, to give it to you in one, in one of my sentences, and of course, if I'd have been on that board, this would, this would have really done me in. Of course, I did quit it anyway, so. Um, but after cancer, and after trying to measure up and make them happy and keep them happy and dress right and do right and go by the calendar, uh, just give you my, my theology and all this, I just decided after cancer, screw it, I'm following Jesus. That's my motto for life. <laughs> Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. I, one of the things I think that Peter was trying to get across to them is they were so alone up on the frontier of faith was that, you know, election, leave it to the theologians to mess it up. It's supposed to be a comfort for us. I love what C.S. Lewis um, says about election. He says, though it, there's a lot to understand there, there's nothing to be afraid of there. Um, but what he's saying to them is, you are there, that's exactly where God put you. God, God always knew that you would be there, and that's where he chose for you to be. So when you think about the painful circumstance that you're in, maybe, uh, one, of the, one of our first tendencies is that uh, this, this has to be wrong. And I would say that if, if you're a devoted follower of Christ, your circumstances do not surprise God, neither does he necessarily want to change them. Does that make sense? Hey, pilgrims, man. That's the definition of a pilgrim. You're somewhere you don't belong taking care of the people around you as you're headed to the place where you do belong. Not only did he always know you would live right where you are right now in the exact conditions you're living in, but he actually chose it especially for you. He chose your marriage for you. He chose your job for you. He chose your neighborhood for you. He chose this community for you. And what he's saying is, yeah, and then just walk out of step with everybody else and follow my son. A lot of Christians feel like they're living a mistake. You know, this is a mistake, God. Uh, or they're living that serves you right type thing, you know. And, and uh, it serves me right to have these circumstances. So if I could just get your attention a little more, go to church a little more, give a little more, maybe you'll change it. And I, that's just not Christianity. Christianity is you are a pilgrim. You're an alien. You're on your way home. You're not home now. And until then, you walk behind my son and you bless all the ones around you with his words and with his actions. Your status as a pilgrim is the clearest evidence of the Father's love for you. The, the more you feel that tension, the more you realize that, hey, I can reach out to the people uh, at work. I can reach out to the people in my world who don't know Christ. I, can, I, I like these guys. I like, I like being with them, but I just don't fit into their value system, and neither do I fit in over here. I mean, Pharisees and I will never see it the same. The more you're feeling that, the more you can know you are right in the middle of God's will for your life. And if you're not feeling that tension, 
there's compromise somewhere. You're either saying, hey, the world's good, or you're trying to perform for religious people. One of the things I would say is uh, admit it, grieve it, and embrace it. And find a posse. Find a posse of pilgrims. I mean, those who you know are following in the footsteps of the Savior, and they are following so closely that they're out of step with everyone else, and you are walking together. I got, I got uh, five guys in my posse, and uh, two of them are here today. The newest one and the one that's been in my posse the longest. If you, if you want to make it as a pilgrim, you better have some people who know you. You've got to be known. You gotta have people who know you and love you anyway. You gotta have people who can speak the truth and the love of Christ into your life because, man, it is not easy to live as a, as a pilgrim in an alien and a hostile world. And the hostility comes from both sides. You don't fit because you don't fit. And this is, it's interesting what he says. uh, May you enjoy ever increasing blessings of peace, of grace and peace. Uh, This is the only place in the New Testament that that occurs. I think that, I really do believe that what Peter's saying to them, there you are, you're on the frontier of faith. It is hard out there. And you're getting beat up by the religious world. You're getting beat up by Nero. But here's what happens. If you will do that, if as you're walking in step with Jesus, you're finding yourself walking, watch, walking out of step with everyone else, that is where I believe, and this is what we experienced in the Jesus movement. This is what I've experienced in my own life. This is what we're experiencing at Church of the Open Door. The more we say, if you don't mind me saying again, screw it, I'm just going to follow Jesus. Uh, the more we are out of step with everyone else, that is right where God wants us to be. And that, where, that is where he pours out his grace and peace in ways that other people will never know. Why do most Christians not experience a lot of the grace and peace of Jesus Christ in their lives. It's because they really don't need it. I call them eyedropper Christians. If the only thing that bad that's ever happened to you is you didn't, uh, you know, get, get the right countertops in the home you're building, then all Jesus really needs to grace you with is a little eyedropper. That'll take care of that a little bit. But if you're a pilgrim Christian, you're a bucket Christian, man. You need buckets of grace and mercy. Because you're living a messy life and it doesn't make sense. And if Jesus isn't there, you have no hope. That is where God pours his grace and his peace. He pours it on pilgrim Christians. So this is from my Jesus movement heart to Antioch Church. You may know this. If you don't, let me tell you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, man, you don't fit. (laughs) You do not fit. I'm sure you have noticed that religious people can't hang here. But I'm sure you've also noticed that those 
who are so thirsty for the living water. They come here and they feel something and they see something. I mean, I know what's going on. You don't fit. People on the left side of Christianity are saying, well, you guys are fundies because you believe the Bible and and, uh, you teach people that it's true. People are on the right are saying, oh, social justice, yeah. (laughs) Can I say to you, screw it, follow Jesus, man. But whatever you do, whatever you do, because right now God is pouring a lot of grace and peace into this place. I don't know if you've noticed it. Whatever you do, don't try to fit, man. Be who you are. Stay radical. Stay walking behind Jesus. Jesus will not be tamed. And when you follow the untamed Jesus, your life, (laughs) it will be messy, but it will be glorious. Antioch Church, don't try to fit. Don't try to fit. You are right where you need to be. Father, I pray for your blessing on this church. I pray for my friend Ken Weitzma. I pray for the radical hearts of those who are leading this church. I pray, Father, you would put steel in their souls and you in this horribly needy state where there's so few relevant witnesses to the real Christ. You would pour your grace and your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.